long time, very healthy church. Um, but uh, those, those of you who might not know, Boise is changing right now. And uh, the Treasure Valley, uh, not only does it continue to grow uh, in uh, just population size, and a lot of people from many states around uh, the, the country are moving to that area, um, it's also changing culturally. Uh, it's been uh, probably a little bit uh, slower moving in a lot of ways culturally, uh, but they're starting to catch up. And so uh, we're asking the big questions. What does it look like to reach out and share the gospel to a, a culture that looks different than it ever has before? Uh, and so those are some of the challenges we're facing. My role there is as the associate pastor, which I'm finding out is just another way to say youth pastor because I was at TLC for three days. Um, but we love working with students. That's a big um, priority for us there. And that's uh, a lot of what my role is. Uh, we're also helping with uh, worship and with, uh, I, I'm having opportunity to preach uh, about once a month, um, which is new for me and exciting. Um, but I think I would just say to sum up kind of what God is doing right now in our season of ministry, um, I think it's especially appropriate to think about this on a reflection Sunday as you guys look back at what Bethany uh, it has done over the year and what Bethany will do in the coming years. Um, I, I have just really been, uh, it's been clear to me uh, the, the effect that Bethany and this church body has had uh, in my discipleship and my um, spiritual growth, and I'm taking a lot of that uh, and implementing it into a different context of ministry, which I'm grateful for. So, um, yeah, we have lots of things we're pursuing in Boise and uh, don't know exactly which of those things will flop and which things will succeed, but uh, we're going to try them and trust that God will provide what he wants to do. So, Good. Thanks, son. Love you. Jaron's here today not because he loves his mom and dad, but because he has a couple of duplexes that he owns here in town and had maintenance come up. And so he juggled his schedule, and since he was halfway here from Idaho anyway, he's here to work. Uh, for a couple days, and then he'll head home and rejoin his wife and his church. As we were uh, in our office a couple weeks ago in our staff meeting, reflecting on this week that we've just navigated and looking ahead to it, you know, I told Sandy, hey, Sandy, I, you know, it's Christmas and on Monday, and, and so the office is closed, and you can have the day, you know, take the day after too. And I said, in fact, why don't you just take the week off? Because Sandy has a hard time using her vacation allotment. And as her boss, I'm often saying to her, you know, there's a reason the church gives us vacation, girl. And that's because you're supposed to rest from time to time. And she's, oh, it's so hard to know when I can take the time off. And so I said, why don't you just take the week? Because I'm going, Jeremiah and I are both going to be gone out of, the, out of the office for the week. There's not much, there's nothing happening ministry-wise during that particular week. And she said, well, what about the bulletin on Sunday? And I said, well, let's just skip it. Let's not have a bulletin. And she said, oh, is, is it church if you don't have a bulletin? Well, let's try and see. And, uh, and so in light of that different week, I, I did some things different this morning. Like what I'm wearing Nobody said anything to me, but, you know, I don't usually dress casual on Sundays. I tend to dress up. I don't have to dress up. Nobody says I have to, but I choose to because I, I feel like I, I would prefer to do that. But I thought, you know, today I'm going to dress, and I'm going to sit on a stool as I'm up front and talk from a bistro table, and I have a cup of coffee in the pulpit with me. Is that possible? It's 
got our church name on it, so maybe it's okay. But even thinking about what do you do on a Sunday like today, you know, in previous eras, I just would have said, hey, Casey, take the last Sunday of the month for me, right? Can't do that anymore. And so I thought, what, and I, I finished my intense with the book of Jeremiah last week, and uh, I'm going to start something new in next Sunday. And so I thought, you know what I want to do today is I want to have a talk with our church. I would hardly even call this a sermon today, but I want to reflect on the year with you, and I want to point your attention to the coming year and have us think together about what are the things that God is doing and has done among us. And, and I've subtitled this, How Are We Making Disciples? Because Jaron mentioned that. Discipleship. Discipleship is spiritual growth. It's, it's our journey with Jesus. It's, it's really the purpose of every good church is to make disciples. It, it's reflected in the heart of God for the children of God that we would understand that it's all our jobs to be a disciple and to make disciples, to help other people follow Christ. This is our marching orders for the world. And it is the exact articulation of why Bethany Baptist Church has existed all these years in our community. And it's based on Christ's commission in these familiar words, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Uh, just after articulating these words, Christ ascended to heaven where he waits for us now. And his final orders to people of faith, initially to his original disciples, but perpetuated throughout the generations of the kingdom, has been, are we making disciples? Because we're to make disciples that's what the church exists for. The way that we articulate that here at Bethany is in this mission statement. Bethany Baptist Church exists to bring glory to God by turning spiritually lost people into mature disciples of Christ. Every time I teach a membership class, I, I explain in that class, I say, after sharing our purpose statement, our mission, I say, you may think that's not a very original mission, and I would say, nope. It's absolutely not original in any way. That is the mission of every good, God-honoring, Bible-cleaving-to church in existence. Because that expression is our way of articulating the sentiment of Jesus in the Great Commission, that we exist, not just for the benefit of ourselves, but for the benefit of those who do not yet know him, that they might come to know him and then that they would mature in their faith and that they would become fully mature disciples of Christ. And this is so important that I, I want to share a quote. I, I read a book this last year by a pastor named J.T. English on the theme of discipleship, and I love his articulation. English said this, the local church is the primary place that God intends to make and form disciples. I Underline that with your mind. The local church 
is the primary place. We live in a day and an age when so many parachurch organizations have come alongside the church and focused on discipleship to the degree that many churches have lost their fervor to make disciples. Well, that's what the Navigators is for. That's what Campus Crusade is for. That's what the Billy Graham Association is for. And we've kind of doled out responsibilities in some ways in our hearts to our shame and discredit And English has said this well, the local church is the primary place that God intends to make and form disciples. We cannot disconnect the task of discipleship from the institution that owns it, the local church. The local church is the tool, God's providential instrument that he uses to shape and form his people into maturing followers of Christ. The local church is where we are sanctified in Christ Jesus, built up in the faith. It is where the gospel is proclaimed, where Christ reigns as head. It is where holistic disciples are formed. The local church is not just one of many organizations God uses equally in his mission to make disciples. It is the primary context for holistic discipleship. If a local church loses its fervor and loses its focus on making disciples, that church has lost its way. And we ought to understand the importance of our church cleaving to and embracing that purpose and mission. And as I reflected on that, Concept, and I, and I thought back over this year that we've just gone through. I want to share with you what some benchmarks, some things that are part of how Bethany Baptist has sought to make disciples in specific ways in this past year. And I'll just give them to you in a list here. One of them is back in March, we finished about seven years of ministry in the country of Cuba Uh, doing pastor training and church partnership. If you have ever been to Cuba on one of our church trips, would you stand up for a sec? I just want you to see the people that were part of this effort at reaching out to our brothers and sisters in a very deprived nation. Thank you all for the way that you partnered with us. You can go ahead and be seated. And in March, we finished our last pastor training cohort. And uh, Rick was my partner the whole way through. Thank God for you, brother. And it was such a joy to watch you. Now, Rick is an appointed missionary out of our church, but it was such a joy for me on each trip to Cuba to watch my brother-in-law in his context, um, just flourishing in ministry. And uh, will we continue in some way in Cuba in the future? I, I hope so. The Lord will have to see things are very hard in that nation. Very, very hard right now. Another thing is uh, our Upward Ministry made a trip to Brazil in June. Kind of a, a high point of, I think, three different times our Upward team. If you ever went to Brazil uh, with Upward, would you stand up? Let's see you folk. Yeah, again, all over the room. People who have gone to serve. Thank you and God bless you. It's part of our disciple-making mandate to recognize that we are responsible not primarily, yes, for our, our reach in the city of Salem, but when Jesus said make disciples, he said do it with who? 
with all nations. He wanted it to not just be localized, but also to have an extending arm. I thought this was an interesting one. This was a shock. Back in uh, June, Salem, Oregon hosted our national network of churches for the national conference out here. And because it was here, our church had some extra responsibilities in playing host. And that was such a joy. You know, one of our ways that we make disciples is in is envisioned in the fact that we're part of church networks, both nationally and regionally. And, um, you know, as we look ahead this April, we're going to be hosting here at our church the Baptist Network Northwest Annual Conference. And this is a way for us to serve our brothers and sisters that are across the region and across the nation. And, and that's part of the reach of our church. Uh, this last fall, we did something that is so remarkable. We planted a new gospel preaching church in Salem, Oregon. And we were able to, uh, after years of dreaming and after two years of specific hard work, I went back and looked at my articulation of the goal. And I said originally, the goal would be that God would enable Bethany Baptist Church, which is not a huge church and it's not a wealthy church. It's just kind of an average middle-sized church in Salem, Oregon. But God would enable us to send between 60 and 100 people and $100,000 and trained leadership to start a new church. And back in October, we sent approximately 75 church uh, members and attenders, and we sent $92,000. So we're very close to those t target areas to plant a new gospel preaching church in Salem. And we sent a team of missionaries, including Pastor Casey and Kelly and Jeremy and Jennifer and Craig and Susan and Kent and Terry and Tim and Tracy and Cam and Melissa and, and Tim and Carolyn and a host of others that are long-term part of our family. And we franchise them out to a new part of town to start a new work that is shining the gospel in a new place. And by the way, Salem, Oregon needs the gospel, does it not? Amen. It's, it's not a converted community, far from it, and it needs gospel. And thank God for the faith and effort and, and giving and sacrifice that allowed us to be part of that um, venture. Another big venture was calling Jeremiah as our youth pastor just recently. After him serving two years full-time as director of youth ministries, we, see, we saw in him the qualification and the calling to gospel ministry as his uh, vocational career, and we made that change. And we don't make that change lightly. That's a significant thing. That's part of discipleship on behalf of the church. And I told you, I think that's how good churches ought to operate. And I think it is highly likely that some Somewhere down the hall in a kid's Sunday school classroom is the future senior pastor of Bethany Baptist Church. And we need to train that kid well and grow him in his walk with Jesus so that he would be a capable and fine lead pastor when the time comes for him to step into that role. Uh, you don't find pastors off internet searches, off job placement sites, or on nationwide searches, in my opinion. I think the best place to find pastors is in the congregation where we raise them up and see them become 
that kind of role. And that's part of why it's such a joy to have Jeremiah and Katie as part of our ministry staff team here at Bethany. Uh, another big thing is after a couple years of work, uh, I was able to finalize the content of a leadership development class in our church. And this year, I am walking with a third cohort of uh, up-and-coming leaders in our church that we are raising up for future significant leadership in the life of the church. And it's a joy. Our, our class has been off for the month of December. I sent, I, if you're in the class, I sent you an email again this morning saying, don't, don't forget, we're on Wednesday night. And come with your reading ready and a new Bible verse that we're going to recite together as we lean into in the next eight weeks, what does it mean to lead in your family? The first eight weeks we concentrated, what does it mean to lead yourself? That's the hardest place of leadership on planet Earth is leading yourself. Amen? <laughs> And, and we, we worked on that and now leading in your family for the next eight weeks. And it's just such a rich, it, this has become one of my favorite um, um, energy outputs in my life is working with our leadership development class and uh, meeting regularly with those students. Part of the fruit of that is the fact that with the planting of peace and the number of capable workers that we sent to start the new church, we had lots of need for holes to be filled. And thank God that we raised 10 brand new ministry leaders to step into a whole host of significant roles in our uh, children's ministry in Awana, in our youth ministry, in our men's ministry, in our women's ministry. All these areas are filled with a whole host of new faces. We had to completely redo our, our leadership picture board out here because there were so many new faces that are part of the spectrum of leadership. And thank God for that capacity to appoint in that way. And I think one of the most significant things, it's been in this last year, that for the first time in this church, we appointed uh, a group of uh, six godly, mature women to serve in an official leadership role in the church as deaconesses. We've never had deaconesses. I explained to our church, it's not that churches like ours don't do that. Many of them do, not all, but many do. But our church, we just had never done that. Sometimes people say, why doesn't your church do this? And I'm like, I don't know. They just don't. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, of course, I've been here for so long, it kind of is my fault after a while, right? I can't just blame it on my predecessors. And, but this was one that was growing in my heart. Lord, how am I, how am I doing at eliciting the, the wisdom of godly women? Because I think that God bestows his wisdom to you ladies, just as he does to some of us men, and it was, it was affecting my conscience. Tim, you gotta do better at this. And it led to me doing a preaching series on what does the scripture teach about the roles of women in the church. And you know, as I shared there, it, it is my conviction as well as our church's understanding that the role of pastor is reserved for men in scripture. It seems very clear as you read the Bible. But that doesn't mean that there's nowhere for women to lead. And years ago, our, our church elders came up and we said, we think women can lead anywhere in the church that 
they have permission and qualification and fittedness to do so. And all our leadership comes under the authority of the uh, Shepherd's Council here at Bethany. Women can lead anywhere, but there's just one thing. They can't be the pastor. Other than that, there's a whole host of areas. And one of them is an official office of service in the body uh, marked by the term deacon or deaconess as it is applied to the feminine gender. And we have this awesome team of godly women and we're working at getting them established and fortified and learning and, and trust that God will bless. I, I think we will be better because of eliciting and giving space for them to sit at the table with the other uh, leadership roles and help us to lead well in the life of the church. I didn't have this in my list, but I, I made a note about preaching. Uh, the primary task that I have as pastor is in feeding the flock and in teaching the scriptures to our church, and we take that very seriously here at Bethany. In 2023, uh, we as a congregation worked our way through uh, three books of the Bible. We did the book of Philippians. We did the book of Esther. And we did a overview series in the book of Jeremiah. And I noted with those, I finally thought, you know, what have I preached over the years? I became pastor in January of 1999 and started preaching regularly. And I've gone through and charted everything that I've taught. And in those 24 years since becoming pastor, I have preached through, or in certain cases from, 21 Old Testament books and 20 New Testament books since 1999. That's 40 one out of 66, which means that we have covered, you know, since I've been pastor, about two-thirds of the Bible as a congregation. And I just tell you, I love that. I, I read an article that said if, uh, if a pastor will be intentional in his teaching in a 40-year ministry, he could teach through the entirety of Scripture to a congregation, and that church would be benefited by that. And, and I love that. I, I have that as a dream to be part of this church and to see us walk through the entirety of Scripture. Starting next week, we're going to begin a five-month series in the book of Galatians, and I'm super excited about that, and, and I'm dreaming past that. I, I want to go back and do the patriarchs, uh, kind of that whole central section of the book of Genesis after that, and have us look at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the things that God did through them and what are all the lessons that God wants us to learn from those things. And uh, that is what's coming. One of the tenets of my years of service at this church has been well, helping Bethany work at making disciples which involves developing vision and goals. And some of these things are really goal areas that we look at, we work with our leadership to identify what are big things that we need to lean into, and then we pursue those to the glory of God, all in keeping with our purpose of making disciples. And I do this corporately uh, with our leadership community here at the church, but I also do it personally, just for me, in my own walk with the Lord, because I am a disciple of Christ, and I am becoming a more mature disciple, and 
part of my discipline in that facet is having personal goals. This has become an essential trait of my training with ministry leaders and with our leadership class. It's the role and function of uh, setting and striving toward goals. And as I thought about those things, I was reminded of a couple of quotes in our leadership class this fall. Uh, we read the book, Developing the Leader Within You by John Maxwell. And Maxwell talked about the importance of growing in leadership. And Maxwell says this, why has leadership become so important? It's because people are recognizing that becoming a better leader changes lives. <laughs> and I think that's, I, I would just paraphrase that as disciple making. Becoming a better leader changes other people's lives to become more like Christ. Everything, he says, rises and falls on leadership. And John didn't invent that quote, but he, he quotes it well. Everything rises and falls on leadership. The world becomes a better place when people become better leaders. Developing yourself to become the leader you have the potential to be will change everything for you. It'll add to your effectiveness, subtract from your weaknesses, divide your workload, and multiply your impact. And that's why leadership development is such a high focus for me as a pastor. Lord, how am I, your servant, raising up leaders around me? It's a, it's a significant facet. And in teaching goal setting, I love this quote from the Puritan Richard Baxter, who said in my heart so famously to his disciples, Baxter said, keep up earnest desires and expectations of success. And I would paraphrase that. I think Baxter taught his guys, you need to have a dream for the future. You need to have goals that you want to pursue. Keep up the earnest desire and expectations of success. If your heart be not set on the end of your labors and you long not to the conversion and edification of your hearers and do not study and preach in hope, you are not likely to see fruit of it. So I have observed that God seldom blesses any man's work as much as his whose heart is set upon success. I love that quote because it reminds me, it is a good thing to have goals. One of the verses that we learn in leadership class is up here on the board. Will you read this verse with me? But the noble man devises noble plans, and by noble plans he stands. This is God's message to us. Having a dream and a goal and, and desires for the future is part of God's expectation. And so what I want to do uh, for a moment, uh, if my wife were here, she'd be cringing right now. Um, I am way more transparent than she's comfortable with, okay? But I just want to be honest with you that I, I try to live my life by these principles and I have personal goals every year. Things, Lord, what do I need to work on this year? And, and I share this in leadership class. I've never done this with our church family, but I thought it would be helpful for me to at least pull back the curtain a bit and I, I'm being vulnerable with you all. He, here are my goals in 2023 and um, let, let me explain them to you a little bit. Number one, Bible reading. It, it's my 
goal every year to read uh, through the Bible. This is the Bible that I, I read uh, this year. This is a, a different translation. This is a Christian standard Bible. Jaron gave me this last Christmas. I said, I'm gonna read that as my Bible reading. And most of you who've been around for a while know that I have developed this Bible reading card plan called Walking in the Word. And I do this every year and we make them available in the church and I, when I, in, in areas that I I have the opportunity to share it. I talk about, let's read the scriptures together um, as disciples in Christ. And I was able to, uh, yesterday, check off the last box. I finished the book yesterday. I read, even so, come Lord Jesus, amen, as the book closes out. And uh, tomorrow, what, what day is tomorrow, by the way? Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, I start a brand new card, and I start on page one again, and I'll put this Bible back up on my shelf, and I'm going to grab a different translation and read through that this year, because they all, you know, they say the same thing, but they say it differently, and it'll hit me different, and, and I just invite you, if you love the Lord, and if you want to grow in your walk with the Lord, and if you don't already have a habit, a pattern that works for you, I just say, w would you join me? in uh, doing this, we could do this together. Walk through the Bible, read the scriptures. It's a five day a week plan. And um, I got to talk about that, by the way, at the Teen Leadership Conference in two workshops. And it was a joy for me to stand in front of about 100 high school kids and say, guys, let's read the scriptures and let's have that be part of how God grows us. And I'm, I'm being transparent. This is what I do. And, and you have the freedom to ask me anytime you want. Pastor Tim, how you doing in your Bible reading? Kat asked me often, right? Kat thought it was a race this year. Kat and I were in a race to get, and she's like, where are you at, Pastor Tim? And I'd say, well, I'm on Jeremiah. She goes, oh, I'm way past that. And she fit, you read the whole Bible. You were done like in, sorry, seven, she read the whole Bible in seven months. And I didn't have the heart to tell her, Cat, it's not a race. I just said, you go, girl. That's awesome. And uh, reading the Bible. Number two goal is prayer. I have personal prayer goals. It's, it's my goal each year to spend, and, and I have several ways that I chart it in my personal quiet time, in a couple of prayer groups that I'm part of, and in leading pastor prayer retreats that I do each year. And with the combination of these things, it's my aim to pray 200 hours each year. And um, some who are prayer warriors might look at that and say, well, that's not very much, pastor. And I would say, yeah, I know. But, but that's where I'm at. This is what I do. Try to pray 200 hours a year. Uh, number three is giving. This is where my, my wife really cringes. Tim, don't tell people about our giving. But um, I, I tell people about my giving. Um, it's, my, it's been my goal to uh, teach our congregation the importance of biblical stewardship. One of the earmarks of a person who loves and walks with the Lord is that we honor him with our possessions and our stuff. And that has historically been expressed throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, in the form of what the Bible calls tithing, where we might give 10%. It's not a law. It's not a rule. You don't have to give 10%. But it is the overarching principle in Scripture, both Old and New Testament. Jesus tithed.
tithed. Uh, the early church fathers were tithers, we know, because we can read about how they handled that habit. The old covenant people certainly tithed, numerous tithes. <laughs> tithe upon tithe upon tithe, about 27% of their income was given. Um, in different contexts, different rules of that time. And, and I teach in our church that tithing is a, is a great goal that every believer ought to aspire to. Um, and if you can't do that, you ought to do something, and then you ought to strive to grow as time moves on. And my wife and I have been tithers for many years, and in addition to our tithes, we give to uh, projects like missions and the Deacons Fund and a couple of organizations. We support a couple of missionaries personally out of our funds. And, and um, with God's enablement this last year, we were able to give 15% of our income to the work of the Lord through those various things. Um, and I do not say that to boast, but I'm just pulling back the curtain. And this is what we do. Um, uh, reading goals. I, it's my aspiration every year to read good books that help me grow as a leader. Uh, one of the axioms I share in leadership classes, leaders must be readers. Um, I, I uh, this year, read 4,000 pages in good books. I keep a log of that. I chart what I read. I have stacks of books that are in the queue waiting to be read. I'm not a fast reader. It's work for me. Um, some of you read way more than that in a year, and uh, some of you hate reading with all the fiber of your being, right? But I, and I understand that, but I just believe this. Reading, reading is what growing people do. It's what good leaders do, and I want to grow, and I want to become a better leader, and so I read uh, this year 4,000 pages. Um, the next one is very personal, um, weight loss. And I, I've shared this in our class. You know, I've struggled my whole life with weight. Um, and I've had seasons of success and seasons of failure in this area. In this last year, I, um, I, I had a good year in weight loss. It started back a year ago in January with uh, Terry Williams, what I called his weight loss boot camp. And Terry was the drill sergeant of that class. And back in January, about 15 of us met with Terry once a week, and we had to journal our, our intake and write down our fiber in our cups of water. And, and we were limited in the beginning to 1,200 calories a day. And I said, Terry, I hate you. <laughs> and I had to show him my log every week of what I did in that. And, and we did that for four weeks. And then the next four weeks, uh, he upped it to 1,350, and we talked about nutrition. And, but the whole thing was spiritual, too, because we talked about prayer as that which should accompany fasting. He even had a guest guy come and talk to us about fasting, and I'm not going to go deep in this, but I, I did something I never would have thought, but I did a three-week liquid fast as part of that, and I lost a ton of weight doing that. And, and then God has allowed me to continue that this year. And, you know, it's funny that, you know, when you're a big person, you got to lose a lot of weight before anybody notices. It's just, you know, you'd like to think, I lost 10 pounds. Can everybody tell? Nope. <laughs> they can't tell. And I've learned that you kind of have to lose about 100 pounds before anybody would notice it. And uh, some of you have, have noticed and said something. And I appreciate the encouragement and I, I want to do better at this. And this last year, I'm over 100 pounds in weight lost. And I'm 
wanting to keep going. Here's a great call, fishing. I saw Ken read my list and start to giggle. I, I assume it was that one, right? I have fish, these are just personal goals for me. And I write goals for fishing. Uh, because for me, fishing is a joy in being in the out of doors. It's a stress reliever. It puts wind in my soul. And uh, my dad has a fishing boat. And most of fishing season, if it's not too cold or not too rainy on Mondays, which are my day off, my dad and I will jump in his truck early on Monday morning and we'll head over to Detroit Lake and we'll put his boat in the lake and, and we'll catch as many as we can for the morning. And, and I, I just love spending that time with you, Dad. And um, because it's important, I have to put it in my calendar. So I actually write this as a goal. Like, how many days will I spend fishing? Because it's good for me to have that kind of an outflow. I was going to put a picture of this. See, I forgot one. Dad and I, for the first time ever, we went and fished for salmon at Buoy 10 out of Astoria. Any of you ever fished for salmon out there? What a joy. I've never seen so many boats in my whole life that were just about to smash into each other as they try to get where the salmon are. And both my dad and I caught salmon, caught a salmon on that day. And it was just awesome. And I'm not making it up. I do have a picture. I'm just not showing it to you right now. So take my word for it if you feel like it. Uh, but those are goals. Um, chaplaincy. Uh, a number of years ago when the Boy Scouts put a, asked our church if we would become a charter for a Boy Scout troop, um, when we did that, and I talked to our leadership, and they kind of asked at a good time for us. We had finished Heritage Hall. Nothing was happening in the building on that night, Monday night, when they meet. And our guys said, yeah, we're okay. And I said, well, if we do this, we have to appoint someone from the church to be like a liaison between the church and the troop. And at that time, my youngest son had graduated high school and was off to college. And I told the guys, I said, hey, I have some dad time that I haven't had in a lot of years. And I did scout when I was a kid, and it was kind of a significant part of my adolescence, and I'd be willing to get involved if they would let me be the chaplain to them, and they were amenable to that, and our national network of churches endorsed me as a chaplain uh, to serve with them, and I have been doing that the last seven years, and it is such a joy for me every year. So starting in February, I get to teach a uh, five-part uh, a discipleship class with scouts who want to earn a religious award because in scouts everything is about a, a, an award but in this religious award I get to share the gospel and teach them about what it means to live for Christ in your home and to have Christ be part of your personal walk I, I don't go on a lot of campouts with them I'm usually here on Sundays but they camp once a month Friday night through Sunday and uh, sometimes I'll take a day off and go with them. And I've been able to lead worship services so many times with, uh, with hundreds of kids and leaders gathered where we uh, turn their direction and I talk to them about what does it mean to do your duty to God. And I get the freedom to do that. And this is not a Christian organization, but it's faith friendly and it gives space for churches like ours to have a presence and a ministry with them. And 
I was able to, uh, for the second time, serve at the National Scout Jamboree last summer and spend two weeks in West Virginia doing gospel pastoral ministry with uh, a bunch of kids and leaders from all over the country. And that chaplaincy ministry for me has been such a good joy. And I found a kindred network. I'm, I'm part of what's called the Association of Baptists for Scouting, a network of Baptist churches all throughout the United States that use scouting as a way to share the gospel with others. And uh, it is a joy. It's, it's so phenomenal every Monday night to see a hundred scouts and their parents gather for a scout meeting here and they all know me as Pastor Tim and I'm part of them and that's the function of this chaplaincy uh, ministry. Uh, next one is uh, church planting and it was the launching of Peace Bible Church with funds and, and training and resources for that which I mentioned earlier but one of my goals was helping this church plant to exert my leadership to help them raise funds and to go through some training. Pastor Casey and Kelly and Marcy and I went to a national conference on church planting uh, a year ago. And I went to a mother church planting conference back in August at ABWE. My wife and I did. What does it look like for a church to plant another church out of it and to work on my role of leading and learning and growing in terms of that. Uh, church networks, Bethany is a, a part of a family of churches, Baptist Network Northwest, about 100 churches in Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. And I exert personal uh, effort in leading in that group. Don Mogford serves with me on the council of the Baptist Network Northwest, and that has been a joy for us to serve in helping our wider circle of churches. And, and then some of you know that with the National Conference of the GRBC being in Salem last summer, when they elected guys to the uh, national leadership team, uh, uh, it was a shock. For the first time in 20 years, two of us from the Northwest got appointed to serve on that leadership team. And so this last November, I went to a meeting for a couple days out in Chicago, exerting leadership among our wider network of churches. And I'm thankful that Bethany allows me to do that. It's actually written in my contract that I can serve outside the church in helping good organizations in those ways. Uh, leadership development, one of my personal goals in raising up the deaconesses this last year, in working this year with Pastor Casey's uh, Going to Peace, uh, taking a new uh, leadership role along with Joe Mogford and working with our ministry directors and raising them up in their leadership. Uh, I work with our shepherds council and our deacons and our deaconesses in leadership <clears throat> and all of these having to do with raising up leaders here at Bethany. I have a goal in mentoring for the year, and I, I do that by way of uh, working now with Jeremiah as our youth pastor and helping to mentor and, and, and develop him in his role as a pastor. We also have two church interns this year. Justin here is serving an internship uh, focusing on young adult ministry, and Justin and I uh, meet and we talk about some things and do some training for that, and then Garrett is doing an internship with our Crosswalk ministry, and Garrett and Jeremiah and I meet once a week, and we talk about those things, and it's a way for me to invest myself in others. And then I also have had uh, 
most of the time I've been in Salem, uh, uh, the opportunity to minister at Corbin University for 18 years on the board of trustees there, and over the last few years as an adjunct professor. And so this 2023 year, I was able to teach seminary class last spring in, uh, in that, and then again this fall for the first time, a second class they asked me to teach where I get to work with college students and help them to grow in their uh, skills. And then occasionally speaking in chapel out at Corbin and just as a local pastor is part of that. This is my way of kind of just showing you what I do for personal goals. Your personal goals would look real different from mine because they're based on where you're at. But for me, each year, I craft goals. I, I have dreams for myself, ways that I want to grow and do better. And I try to track those and make sure that they're measurable and use that as a facet of my own leadership. So I want to close this morning with an invitation to invite you to think about joining me in the year 2024 starting tomorrow and I've got three specific things that I would suggest would be good applications of how Bethany Baptist Church is making disciples in 2024 and uh, the first one would be an invitation to join me in this walking in the word Bible reading plan. And you may have something else that you're doing and that's worked for you and you want to stick with that, that's great. But I would encourage any of you who want the benefit of teamwork to grab out on the, out on the uh, table in the foyer. I've got a stack of these. And if you want to give it a shot, and start tomorrow at uh, page one with me and we would read five days a week. This plan is uh, a joy to me because I, I developed it specifically to have two days a week built in for makeup so that you can catch up when an interruption happens because interruptions happen all the time. Can I get an amen to that? Interruptions happen all the time, like 13 puppies on Monday morning, right? That was an interruption in our schedule. I didn't, I, didn't have, I didn't sit and do Bible reading on Monday. I normally would have, but something happened, and it was Christmas, and so we had all this stuff going on. But I finished on Saturday. I read Tuesday through Saturday. I have these built-in days. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I would encourage you to join me. Something new that I just am developing right now would be I'm starting a page online on Facebook for this walking in the word plan. And if you want to get some personal encouragement in that, I would just suggest if you use that platform, go there and you can uh, follow this page. And on this page, I'm going to be posting weekly updates throughout the year about what we're reading together and what would inspire you to keep going. And if you're following the page, you would catch that. So there's an invitation. Number one, Bible reading. And then I would say this, if you really want to get serious about growing in your walk with the Lord, if you want to do better in your discipleship, then I'm so excited that we have this new class that we have been cultivating that we're going to launch in a week from now, and it will be a short-term, eight-week 
Bethany discipleship class. It's going to happen here at the church on Tuesday nights at 7. It'll last about an hour. And it is my hope that we would get a good crew of Bethany folk who say, I want to grow in my walk with the Lord. And I want to do better this year at developing the habits of a disciple. And I want to meet with other people who would do that together. And we're going to start that on January 9th. So a week from this Tuesday. So like nine days from now is when it will get started. And we've kind of been highlighting this for you, but I would just say this class would be an awesome thing that would be open to anyone from high school age on up who wanted to spend eight weeks working specifically on the habits of what it means to grow in your walk with the Lord. Bible reading is one of those habits, but there are a bunch of others that will be helpful. And in this class, one hour a week, eight weeks, Tuesday nights here at the church, uh, Pastor Jeremiah and Katie are going to be teaching. I, I will show up some and be part of it. And and, and we're going to go through a, a, a learning experience together that I promise you will change your life if you've done it. And if you want to grow, if you want to get serious about growing in your walk with the Lord, this is an invitation. And I, I'll say this to you. You should, if you want to do it, you ought to decide right now. Okay, Pastor Tim, we will, we will. And you ought to go right out in the foyer when we're dismissed because there's a table out there where you can pick up a Bible reading card, because you should start that tomorrow if you want to join us in that. And then there's a book, kind of a textbook for the class that uh, you can pick up, and Jeremiah will be out there. You can talk to him, and there's a way to register. You can use that QR code on the screen if you're techie smart, and if you need a little help, go and ask Jeremiah, because he's really good at that. And we would love to get you signed up to join with us in an eight-week class on behalf of our church, working on what it means to grow in your walk with the Lord. I, I, I really hope that many of you will join us in that because I'm so excited about this new effort at raising the discipleship level in our church. And then one last thing, and I'm going to close with this. Uh, from time to time over the years, we have gathered a wide circle of leaders at Bethany that include uh, elders and deacons and ministry leaders and church staff. And uh, the last time we did this was about two and a half years ago, and we're going to do this again on Saturday morning, January 20th, from 9 to 11, two hours. We're, we're serving a light breakfast, and we'll have child care. And I would say if, you are a, if you're a leader, in our church, whether that be in a leadership office or leading in a ministry endeavor somewhere or a stakeholder in Bethany, we would love to have you come on that Saturday morning and meet with us as we do some evaluation and brainstorming about how are we going to make disciples in the next lap of ministry here at Bethany. I feel like 2023 was such a significant and momentous year for our church, particularly in the planting of Peace Bible Church. But now it's time for us to cast our eyes to the mountains and say, what is the next horizon that God would have us pursue as a church for him in his ministry? This has been a year in review. I told you I've never done a message like this. Um, but I hope that this was valuable for you. And my prayer for all of us is that tomorrow when the calendar turns, that we might have some energy to pursue what it means to walk with Jesus in a great way.
And I really hope that many of you will take me up on my invitation to join me in the Bible reading plan and to take our discipleship class that will start in nine days. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, that you are a, a Lord who loves plans. And you said the noble man devises noble plans. And by those plans, he will stand. God, help our church to have noble plans for 2024. Plans that will bring joy to your heart as we pursue what it means to be disciples of you. God, we long for our church to reach more and more with the gospel. We long for ministries that have a, a passion for reaching the lost. We long for ministries that will help men and women and kids and teens grow in their walk with you that day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year, our devotion to you would increase. Thank you for the flock that is Bethany. Thank you for those who came today on this holiday Sunday, this very out of the norm day in the life of the church. And God, may our dreams for 2024 put a smile on your face. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen.